Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to find your rhythm with Wally Reyes Jr. Now, his name's also Walfredo. This guy is really cool. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the band um, Chicago or maybe Carlos Santana or Christina Aguilera, you've probably heard of them. This man's played with them and more. But here's the cool thing about Wally. He has married amazing percussion skill with also being a drummer. Now, I find that really neat. So we're going to talk about how that works as a multi-potential gifted musician. But also, we're going to talk about how to find and live by your soul's heartbeat and your rhythm, because Wally's living that right now. So welcome to the show, Wally. I'm so glad you're here on Someone Gets With Me. With me. We're going to have so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. So tell everybody a little bit about how did you get started in music, I believe you have a, had a musical family. Like, how did all this get started? How old were you when you first started drumming and things? Well, you know, I, I was born in Cuba, and I, and I left Cuba when I was five. My whole family are musicians, so I thought everybody's family played music. So um, I was in Puerto Rico growing up, and, you know, I started playing percussion just for fun. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a veterinarian since I saw Dr. Doolittle, the movie. Yes. And uh, I said, oh, my God, I got to do that. But then, you know, when I hit like 12 years old mm -hmm. and I started really loving, you know, the music of my era, which was the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, guess who, you know, the Airwaves, Elvis, Stevie Wonder, CTA, Led Zeppelin. You know, I was a rocker guy. Yes. And I asked my dad for drum lessons. And of course, uh, he gave me. He was really strict and got me a metronome, a practice pad, a pair of sticks, the rudiments. And then from there, I, I got really serious into playing not only drums, drum set, but everything that had to do percussion. And basically, it's one big family, including piano. As you know, anything you strike with your hand is considered percussion. Coffee cups, snare drum, bass drum, anything that you strike with a mallet, whatever. So that, that, that's like about thousands of instruments. Right. right. <laughs> so, and then I, by that time we moved to Las Vegas and I started playing percussion gigs at an early age. In fact, I just posted on my Facebook, this is my 50th year being a professional musician. And I started in Las Vegas. My first professional job that I joined the union musicians union was to work with Debbie Reynolds. Wow. <laughs> as a percussionist. And from there on, I haven't stopped. So that was like in the mid seventies and this is 2022 and I'm still at it. Oh, that's wonderful. So what has kept you going? What, what, what is part of that inner fire that's kept you going 50 years in doing percussion with all kinds of great other musicians? Obviously it's like, like attracts like, but what's kept you going? Well, there's uh, always the discovery and the passion to a couple of things, not only to be better than you were yesterday, not necessarily in competition with others, but in competition with myself. Mm -hmm. 
to do all the things that I used to do, then some, some that I forgot. So you always have to, it's almost like, like a rhythm collector, like a Santa Claus bag and your bag is full, but then there's more. So you got to get a second bag or a third bag and continue to collect. And then one thing makes you discover others and appreciate some that you have done on the past. So to keep up like an athlete with yourself, not only in shape to play the drums and physically, mentally, and, and spiritually, that always is something that I wake up and I go to my drum set or my percussion and to keep up with all of them is very difficult because, you know, congas is hand drum and then drum set is with sticks and timbales is with sticks, but a different sound. You got different techniques and to keep up with all of these techniques is very difficult and time consuming. So right now, of course, I'm on the road with Chicago on and off eight months out of the year. So it's a challenge to play other stuff that is not Chicago music, because that's how I keep in shape. You know, you, you can't just do one thing in a straight line and then you die. Well, that's not, you know, while I'm playing with Chicago, it really does help my job with Chicago if I still grow as a musician and then bring it back to the job. Right. And the guys go, man, what have you been into lately? You know, like Robert Lamb always, what you been, what, what have you been listening? He goes, man, I discover, have you heard this guy or have you heard this? You know, so it's like a, it's the passion. I guess it all falls under passion to love what you're doing. Right. So if you're loving what you're doing and you're living from passion, it's not really work in the traditional sense. Yes. Well, that's an interesting point. That's when my little, my son, which is 26 now, when he was a little kid, I gave him a job one day to help him when I was on the road with Lindsey Buckingham mm -hmm. to bring the drums and set up the drums and clean this and get me this. So he was like working. And then we set up the drum set and then Lindsey came in with all the guys and we played for about a few hours. Then we got to pack the stuff. You know, I told him, okay, take this to the car, do this. So he was working. So all of a sudden, when we, on the drive home, he goes, Dad, I'm confused. Do you get paid to play or to work? <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's a, a really funny thing because, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we get paid really in, for, for me to travel on the bus the, the other 22 hours that we're not playing on stage, the setting up, the preparing the airplane tickets, the, the, you know, all the stuff. Uh, and that's, that's the work to get to the fun part. Right. It's like the concert. And when you're playing and the audience is there, it's that beautiful synergy and that great energy. And I think a lot of people miss what goes in behind the scenes, what it takes to get all of that to happen um, on the musician's part, you know, like you said, buses and planes and unloading and loading and cleaning and making sure everything works and sound checks and everything for that magical couple hours of connection, which makes it all worth it, of course. But there's yes. a lot more that goes on than people realize. I In think. fact, if you actually finish a concert, any concert, if you can stay for an hour sitting on your seat after a concert and see what like about a hundred guys do in one hour dismantle all those lights and curtains and stage and instruments and everything and load it to the truck to set up the next day. That to me is fascinating. When I actually 
finish the show and go to the dressing room and get changed and all that, and then make my way my, to the tour bus. And I always like say hello to all those guys because without them, yeah. we just are musicians that can play, but there's nothing on stage. Right. So yeah, without yeah. them, there's no show. Right. It's, it's really magical. I've, I've toured with a couple of musicians and I've, I've seen that where everything they just, it, it comes up, the show happens. And then in a few hours, all it's like all these people and then it's down and it's loaded and it, and it, it's, there's a, a rhythm and a science to it. And it's like, you can, they just know what they're doing, but if everyone didn't do their job, it wouldn't be the show. Exactly. You know, it's really, it's Teamwork. really, it's remarkable the amount of teamwork in it all, not just for the musicians, for everybody. So do you ever use your intuition when you're playing? Like, cause you know, I just think that, that probably there's a lot of intuitive parts to living in your rhythm when you're playing. Is, is that true? Oh yeah. Well, intuition is part of a creativity, you know, I always say like, it's like the school of fish, you know, have you ever seen all the fish? It's like about 300 or a thousand right. and they all turn left together. Now they all can swim. They all are at an age where they can do what they're doing. They're not babies They're, But the fact that they're, you know, all together doing that, it's like the teamwork and watching for danger, you know, because even when you're playing, you know, if something happens that it's like a weird noise or something happens in the audience, you know, or something happens with one of the guys in the band or something falls. I mean, you're still creating, but you gotta be, you have to have an antenna of that school of fish that you're creating and swimming with. Yeah. Just in case something happens, you react or cover a mistake or cover for an accident or, you know what I'm saying? Right. So certain amount of what we play, of course, is like songs, you know, that people know the soundtrack of people's life every night, but still there's room for maybe a little improvisation here and there, you know, right. like when you go to a great restaurant, you're going to take somebody and you go, Oh my God, you got to have the meatloaf in this place. Well, that means that's the hit song right there. Right. Right. People come to this restaurant because that meatloaf is a hit. So the chef is not going to improvise and change it all around just because he wants to, he has to deliver what is making the bread and butter. Right. That's deliver so, the hit. <laughs> right. So our job as like, for example, Chicago or Santana or Steve Winwood to deliver the hits, which is people pay for the soundtrack of their lives. Those songs that meant a lot to those people. So I could change the song, but I do it in my room alone if I want to experiment on something or, but not on stage, you know, you deliver what you need to deliver. What my dad told me a long time ago, when you're working for somebody, you play what you need to play. And when you're working for yourself, you play what you want to play. Yes. That makes sense. So there's right. a discipline to deliver the goods, you know? Right. Cause the audience is there because they want to hear that song and the way they remember it because that's like you said the soundtrack of their life and like um, i race sailboats my whole life and chicago has been one of the bands i've listened to since like forever 
And if I went to a Chicago song concert, there would be certain songs that if I knew they were about to play it, I would get all jazzed up, you know? And, um, and if there's something I really wanted to hear that was left out of the show, I'd be going, wait a minute, hold on. I didn't get my song, <laughs> you know, cause that's just, that's the way we are as humans. And so, you know, and I appreciate that, you know, it's like play it the way the audience wants to hear it, even though I have all this other creativity going on because the listener matters, you know, it's, it's that exchange. It's that energy exchange that I think is really fun. One of my um, listeners to this podcast wants me to ask you to describe your creative heartbeat. My creative heartbeat? Heartbeat. Yeah. She was asking about, you know, like how your creativity and your heartbeat come together, like to describe what that is, that, that fuel in you, that passion. Well, you know, like I said before, you know, like music is a language. It's like we're speaking in English right now. I happen to know Spanish. It was my first language. And music is a third language because once you learn music, you can communicate, you know, drummers communicate with music. You write music, you read music, and you speak music through your instrument. So we can have a conversation. So to always improve the vehicle that takes you to your creativity. So like if I wake up in the morning, sometimes I'm preparing coffee and I, you know, you never know what, what can trigger something. Uh, but you know, I, I have an idea in my mind or I'm joking around with my wife and a little melody comes in. And, and then, so I go into my studio and I either can start writing a new song or work on something that I, that I think is really fun that can take me to places I've never been, or I can practice what I know already to keep it in shape. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So like right. if I sit on the drums and I start improvising and I do a rhythm and it's, uh, it's like really rusty. I need that oil is, <laughs> you know, to, to oil the, the hinges on the door. So, you know, I like check myself right out in shape. I am to actually create freely without any bumps on the road. And that's always something that I, I need to do. So it, it, there's no, oh, the car needs oil, it's not running well. So I can get to places in my creativity with no, no problem. So as a musician, you were telling me about your mom, that's what we practice and it's hideous sometimes yes. to practice the calisthenics, you know, when you go to a soccer game, to a football game, to a basketball game, you see people running laps. That's not the sport. That's not soccer. That's not football. They're running laps. They're doing push-ups. They're warming up. What does that have to do with the sports? They're actually oiling their joints. So when they do the sport, it's like the concert. A They're lot of things can, can happen. Some part improvisation. There's a lot of planned plays, mm -hmm. you know, like, like in a soccer game and a football game, there's right. plays that they rehearse. Right. Play number two, play number 23. But then there's improvisational things that happen that nobody knows why it's going to happen. So that's really a very good parallel to, to that, you know, like the Harvey, my creative Harvey is different every day. And I can allow it to basically improvise and create. And sometimes it's back to that discipline that we got to work and we got to do this. A two hour show with Chicago or 
an hour or something with Santana. And these are the songs and there's no improvisation or anything, or it's like, this has to be done well and passionately. And these are the dishes with the ingredients. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? There's Uh no improvisation here. Dish number one, Samba Pati has this ingredient. Oye Como Va has these ingredients and the tempo. So, and they all have different tempos and that's my job. I have to know all the tempos. Right. You know, so that's, that's a, like, that's the, my heartbeat. It's a, it's multi-purpose. Yes. And, and I, I love the analogy. I love your analogies. I'm visualizing it with you going, yeah, that's, that's it. That is really, that's cool how it is. So when you're on the road, cause you spend a lot of time on the road and, um, you obviously don't have your studio with you in the tour bus and things like that. How do you nurture your creativity when you're traveling? Well, you know, of course, listening is 50% of everything, including on stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today with uh, there's different devices that have evolution, like, of course, my laptop that I'm talking to you right now. This laptop contains recording software, you know, can plug in a microphone so you can create with a keyboard. And then, of course, there's my practice pad. I, ha- I have to take my stick. Sometimes I practice in the bed because it has no rebound. It makes me work hard, you know, and so like a pillow, you know, and so even if you're in your home, sometimes there's some practice pads that make you work out. So, you know, and then I, I, the, the other form is a physical and spiritual shape, which is like, sometimes I have to get out of the room and walk. Like, Mm -hmm. I just got to go, you know, I just got to walk. If it is a little rainy day, I've got an umbrella and that inspires me and feeds me because, you know, music is a reflection of your life. And if you don't live life, what are you going to write about? Right, right. I mean, what, what are you going to play an inspiration to what? Well, I spend my life in a room and I want to write about a love affair, a trip traveling. Well, no, you got to have the love affair. Fair. You got to have a breakup. You got to have success. You got to have joy with family and friends and you got to travel and watch the beauty that got created the sceneries the desert the, the jungles the forest the flowers and then that inspires you to make music yes i totally agree i think especially nature connects to me a lot like like when you just said getting out and walking there's times where i'm like gotta go grab my dog see ya. i'm gonna go it doesn't matter if it's raining or sunny or what it is i just want to go be with the flowers and be with the animals and hear the birds and just be. And if it's night, I just stare at the moon. Like there's something magical about connecting to nature on those really deep levels. It inspires me a lot. Absolutely. You know, that's it, it really, nature is, you know, and then of course it doesn't matter how much you experience, you know, and you, you see a lot of things on TV, but when you're there, like my, my wife is a scuba diver. So I've been, you know, I always snorkel, but now I'm, I've been a few times scuba diving and I want to get my license and all that. And that feeling underwater, it's a different world completely, you know? So, um, it's quiet. You only hear those bubbles. And when you, uh, when you come up into the real world and you take that oxygen and then you, you breathe, uh, 
you go, wow, I just came from a different, completely different planet mm -hmm. within the planet. And of course, all that is uh, sources of inspiration. I actually have a song that I've been working on and uh, it's part inspiration from her and our experiences. And then I was looking at some sounds and stuff like that. And there's a beat that was called Underwater. Hmm. The, the beat was named Underwater. So I played it and it's just like, it sounds like it's underwater. And I put it up and I started creating. And so one thing, the real life experience with what I was hearing right. developed this really kind of like a Billie Eilish kind of song type underwater. So, you know, those are kind of things that uh, I work on. And my goal is before I die, I, I want to go to my grave on empty. Like, <laughs> God, I have nothing that you gave me in this world left. That's oh, it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Totally, totally giving it all and going for it and creating things, you know, like, yes, I think it, I think it was Wayne Dyer said, don't die with your music in you. And that's it. And I agree with that. Like, go for it all the way until there's nothing left, until the tank is empty. I think that's where the magic is. So if somebody's listening to you right now and they're loving what you're saying um, and they feel stuck, though, like they go, if only I could, but I don't know. And they have all those inner excuses. What kind of advice or maybe um, supportive feedback you might give somebody that's feeling stuck that needs to kind of like get moving and start creating? Well, let me tell you an advice. When I first got my first computer, and I'm not a techie guy even till these days, I cannot even spell the word technology. So like I got my computer and I was afraid. I was exactly that, stuck, frustrated, had fear that I spent all this money and I was never going to do anything. And I was actually working with Steve Winwood. And Steve Winwood told me, let me give you two pieces of advice. It takes time and get help. Mm, you cannot do it all by yourself. So basically, that's the most frustrating thing that I hear when people go, oh, he's self-taught. Let me tell you something about the self-taught. All the best people in the world are not self-taught because they had a mentor. The best athletes, the best dancer, Barishnikov had a coach, a mentor. Everybody has an indirect or a direct teacher. No man is one island. I mean, it's just a teamwork. It's either indirect, you heard something from somewhere that inspire you. So there's nothing wrong with taking music lessons or drum lessons or percussion lessons. And then one thing leads to another. You get another teacher, get a second teacher. Right. Uh, learn from different people. The, the thing is to actually get somebody that has been where you've been that is passing it forward. Like, you know, I teach and I have students and they come in and, you know, I've been where they've been already. Right. So when they're telling me something and this and that, I already know what they need to do. So I just basically pass it forward, my information, my experience. Sometimes they don't get it immediately. Like some lessons that uh, my teachers taught me when I was in high school, I'm just getting now. <laughs> Me too, me too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so you know, 
don't sit by yourself, frustrating, whatever, in front of a djembe or a drum set or a conga drum, or maybe you might even hurt your hands and go, oh, forget about this. Well, you, you played it wrong. Then if you play it wrong, the first lesson that I give my student, be careful with your thumb so it doesn't hit the rim. Because when you hit the rim, it's going to hurt. You're going to go, the hell with this. It's not the djembe's fault. It's not the art form of music's fault. It's because you didn't know and you didn't get help. You didn't get a teacher. So, you know, we as human beings, the first we got, we had parents. We had mentors. People would show you how to brush your teeth, how to eat correctly, how to read, write. You had teachers all through high school. Well, if you're going to learn whatever you're going to learn, why are you going to be self-taught and spend two years in frustration where maybe you can get a few lessons and in a week you'll get it and right. move forward. Right, exactly. Or like you said, try to do it on your own, do it incorrectly, and then just throw it all out and miss the whole opportunity because you didn't have somebody show you what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you develop bad habits and then you got to go back. Right. Right. You know, like playing tennis and sports, it's the same thing. Yes, I was just thinking about tennis because I've raced sailboats my whole life. And as, oh. an, adu as an adult, I raced, uh, I learned how to play tennis. And so my tennis coaches were all like, you know, get get all the swings down right because you don't want to have to fix the pattern. Exactly. And it's the same thing in sailing where new people come on the boat and I've been doing it 50 years. And so it's like you want to do it this way because otherwise it's dangerous, you know, and this is how we do it. And some people listen and then they excel and some people don't listen and it's not pretty. <laughs> exactly. You know, it takes a village to, to get these things to happen. And so I think that that's a really good advice because I think too often in our cultures, we're taught that we should be able to figure it out on our own. And no, I don't, no. I, that's not, even if we could figure it out, that's not the point. It's much, much more powerful to be, have somebody in it with us that's inspiring us and rooting us on and showing us what they know, you know, otherwise it gets lost, you know? So, I you know, don't be, don't be shy, you know, and I know a lot of people, for example, when I used to go to master classes as a kid mm -hmm. and there's a master drummer in front of me and everybody is because fear is the problem. And it really boils down to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, people have fear that they're not going to sound good or they're not going to articulate the question correctly. And they're going to look at them like, Oh man, you dummy. That's a dumb question. And no question is dumb. No question. And so like, uh, you know, like I was in a clinic one time, I remember it was like Billy Cobham, which is a great drummer that came out in the seventies. And he, he changed a lot of the music, uh, drumming world by his, uh, tons of tom-toms powerful and he was giving a drum clinic and somebody raised his hand with a question and, and said uh, uh do you wear like socks what kind of socks do you wear and people laughed like they laughed like oh my god really you're gonna ask and billy cobham turned it around he goes well you know that's a really important subject some drummers like to play barefooted depending on the technique some people don't play with socks Maybe your feet, if you have sweaty feet, I think you should wear socks because and after two hours, you're going to be like up there going, I wish I had socks on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like uh, all questions are important. And so like now that I'm in that position, mm -hmm. many times there's like a lot of young people and 
the company pays me and they're there doing a free clinic and here I am. And sometimes there's no questions after I ask that, is, is there any question about anything, whatever. And then after, while, you know, I'm kind of like leaving and I'm packing my stuff and all that, they come and go, Mr. Reyes, can I ask you a question? You know, like, right. like, you know, they're, they're, and that's what it is. It's really interesting that people, they have fear to ask and to, uh, for help. And, you know, I never have said no to anybody. Somebody asked me a question. Hey man, can you show me that bead you play with Santana? I goes, yeah, sure. It's this. Or like, what the hell is it that you're doing in that song with Chicago? That Phil goes, oh yeah, that's like blah, 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 right, left, right, left, right. Oh my God, really? He goes, yeah. Now he takes it and forms something on his own. But, you know, passing it forward, there's a saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. But, you know, I've been ready for a long time with my kids and for, with a lot of students, and they're not ready. No. So, you know, so that's my advice. You know, go for it and don't be shy to ask a question. What's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody might go, man, I can't deal with it. I'm in a hurry or something. Uh, I'm sorry. Go, okay, bye. Right. And my experience is that the majority of the people, if you ask them sincerely, are going to stop and answer you. Yes. You know, the majority, I, I have very few people and, and I'm around a lot and that, and it seems like people that have notoriety are almost as faster, faster to help out than people who are trying to have notoriety, I guess is the way to say it. And, and I think, I think people who are skilled have much more willingness to give than many people believe. Yes. You know, I agree. So, so they, they hold themselves back when the people want to give it and come on, come on, come on, come take it, come take it. I'm trying to make this for you. I'm trying to give this to you, but they haven't figured it out yet. A lot of people. So we're encouraging all of you to ask questions and go get, your yes. <laughs> go after it, go find the people who um, inspire you in whatever way it is and get yourself moving in the direction of your own inspiration, whatever that is, whatever it looks like, because that's where the juice of life is. Yes. And, you know, like I had a lot of people that inspire me, starting with my father first, some members of my family, and of course, musicians that I didn't know until maybe some I met and work with. I mean, my life is uh, really like blessed. I actually, they say, do dream come true? Well, several drinks of mine came true. Mm -hmm. Playing with CTA was my first record that I ever bought when I was in the eighth grade. When it came out, I listened to Beginnings and I'm a Man, which was written by Steve Winwood, which ironically I played and worked for 10 years. But, you know, I heard those, the song on the radio and I went and bought the record, CTA, Chicago Transit Authority. Right, now I'm working with them. And then Santana, Abraxas, came out in 1970. I love Santana. And, and, and then I worked with, with Carlos from 89 to 93 and then some. And Steve Winwood for 10 years. I mean, Traffic in 1994. So Robbie Robertson with the band. I mean, and, you know, Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, once you get to know all these um, artists, they're just human, just like they bleed the same as you and I, you know, the only thing is like they had 
they they were at the right time at the right place with the right stuff prepared because if you are not prepared then you miss your chance you got to try again that's one something that i would tell anybody your chance will come but and you got to put yourself where you know it is i mean you know i always tell somebody you dream of becoming like a famous sweater uh, knitter you know knit, knitting sweaters don't move to the Caribbean or to the Sahara desert. You know, it's like common sense. You know what? Like Canada, Northern United States, Alaska, you're going to sell a lot of sweaters. So start competing over there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I grew up in Las Vegas and then I even pulled myself out of Vegas and moved me to LA because of the recording industry. Right. In those days, you know, it's not like you have now online and technology and Zoom and all that. You had to be there. And so I actually arrived and the, the I arrived. And the, the second thing I did is who are the people that I want to be and who are the most people, the most successful musicians and why? And two things that I saw, there's always the musical and the personal. Yes. Yes. I, I met a lot of geniuses that nobody wants to hang with. Yep. And vice versa, a lot of nice people that didn't have the talent or you don't want to play with that guy. Uh, it doesn't sound that great, but he's such a nice guy. So like you got to have the personal and the musical, you know, after you speak, uh, finish speaking music, you have to speak English. And if that's not successful, then you got to work on your English. You know, you either got to work on your English or your music language. If you have both down and you can inspire people with your music and inspire people with your vocabulary, you know, when you're in the recording studio and somebody does something and you can tell it's like their first time goes, man, you sound great. What's your name? Damn. What was it that you're playing? That's incredible, man. Oh, I can't wait to sit on the drums and play with you. That's a trigger to positivity. Yes. It, it benefits me and benefits them. If you can lift the spirit without playing music and then play music and even lift the spirit more, that's a successful situation. Yes, totally it is. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. oh, totally. And, and it's, I think it's true. It's like, you have to, I always say you have to put yourself in position to receive the blessing. And, and you're reminding me of um, one of my good friends um, who played in the NFL and he was on a Super Bowl team. And one of the things he said was luck favors the prepared. And so you have to do your homework. You have to do your work in order to be in position to, to be uplifted or uplift another person or be in that position. So it, it takes effort and work and focus and drive and desire and all of those things. It's not an accident. Like your 50 year career isn't an accident. You know that I love that. Actually, I never really actually has, has said that. And I need to say it now. You need to put yourself in a position to receive the blessing. If you're not in that position, the blessing goes right by. It will pass you by. You missed it. And so, so yeah, you know, I've been blessed, but you know, the harder I work, the more blessed I am. And I made sacrifices. And that's one of the things that a lot of students that are young, you know, and um, their sacrifice um, concept, it's not a sacrifice uh, for me, you know what I'm saying? 
what right. they called right. sacrifice. So sacrifice for me in high school was when I realized that I needed to get really good to make the bands in high school and to go to college and to audition and to get the gigs around Las Vegas, they're having an audition for this band that plays in the lounges. And it's like, of course, the, the urgency that I need to make money with what I know and what I know is playing music. So I got, I got to get really good at that, at this. So how am I going to get good at this? So there's percussion and there's drums. Am I going to play football and go to football practices? Then I got to go to school half the day. And then I got a girlfriend and she wants to go out and she wants to see him. Something's got to give. I mean, so like I cut all the sports out and I didn't have a girlfriend 11th grade, 12th grade. It was eat music, play music. My mom sometimes would come into the studio and says, where do you want your dinner in the snare drum or in the floor? Tom, Tom, I go, mom, put it in the floor. Tom, Tom, can you see I'm busy? You know, like, and so like, basically it's like, if somebody practices eight hours a day and you think that that's a sacrifice, wait till you hear the guy that is practicing 15 a day, you know, now that means, are you going to have a life? Well, there's a period where you might not have, it's a sacrifice period. Right. It's a sacrifice period that, no, you cannot do, you cannot be a student of everything and a master of nothing. To be a master of something is basically 24 hours a day. It's not enough. So you gotta, there's gotta be a period that you actually concentrate until you become it and you can breathe. Okay. I'm going to take a vacation. Hey, yeah, I'm going to go out on a date with you, you know, right. or, you know, I'm going to play some tennis or do some jogging or, and then go back at it again. But you know, you can't, and this is good with everything. There's gotta be some kind of sacrifice right. if you want something really bad. Like my hashtag that I use, you gotta wanna. Right. Exactly. You gotta wanna, and you have to be willing to make that sacrifice. And, and, uh, yes. and, I hear that a lot and I believe that a lot because I'm an athlete and things like that, that you have to be willing to sacrifice to get where you say you want to go. It, yeah. Period. And if you're not willing Sorry. to sacrifice, <laughs> yeah, if you're not willing to sacrifice, then don't whine about not getting there and don't be jealous of the people who did sacrifice because. Thank you. That's just the way it is. Thank you. And, 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 and I hear that a lot, you know, and my daughter had to go through it. You know, my daughter Liliana, um, it's an incredible singer. And then I taught her percussion and she went, ran with it. And she auditioned again for the second time with George Benson as a singer and as a percussion. And she got both audition. She has been with George Benson on tour for a long time. And she's really successful in LA singing and doing sessions and all that. And then people go, Oh my God. Yeah. Because your dad and your grandpa are musicians and your brother, Danny, that plays with Zach Brown. We did not get a music degree. Liliana, my daughter, four years, sacrificed herself and got a music degree at USC and learned percussion on top of that and then audition and she got the gig. I did not force the gig. You know, I didn't tell George Benson, hey man, can you get my daughter the gig? You know, the, right. no, no, she got the gig on her own and there was other girls there. And George Benson didn't ask the girls, who's your father? Are they musicians? It was not, they had nothing to do with that. But the, the situation is like, you know, you always, you know, it's a blessing mm -hmm. that I learn a lot. 
But, you know, it, it basically, when you point a finger, remember, they're three pointing back at you. That's and right. So, like, uh, you will become what you really want to become. And you have to plan the work. Some things might, might work and some things might not. Just because one door shots in your face, that doesn't mean that's the only door. Right. You can't quit. No. Keep somebody going. Sl- right? slams the door in your face. And that's the thing. You got to want to. Bad enough. You got to want to. And persistence. And you got to keep on going. And if you believe in your passion and you believe that that's what you want to do, you know, and don't don't give up. I mean, you know, and, and the beautiful thing, too, is like I never really didn't plan exactly to work with all these people that I've worked, but it was the journey. So like I like you said, I put myself in the position that I could receive the blessing. Sometimes the blessing didn't come and sometimes it came and I was ready and I took the blessing and I was blessed. And sometimes I made mistakes. And even though after I was blessed, I got fired because I was not ready for that blessing. You know, it was too soon. I was pissed, man. You know, what do you mean? You know, like uh, this and that. So I actually, instead of going down and getting depressed and, I basically went the other way. Really? Let me show you. you. Right. And I actually had to go back to the to the woodshed and get better and learn from my experience. It's not a failure, it's just a, a learning experience. Right. Right. To get back up again. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's a very valuable lesson right there too, is like, okay, so you have this 50 year career and with a lot of success and you've actually had to deal with being fired and downturns and problems and things. It, it hasn't been this, this la 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 walk in the park all the time. It's a lot of work and a lot of effort and not everything goes your way or any one way. It's, there's so many factors. And, and that's where I think your point about persistence and sacrifice makes so much sense that if you're not willing to go to those links, you know, don't expect to have something really magical happen. Yes. You know, I think when the magic comes and all of that, it's because it was earned. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of, uh, I've seen uh, students of mine that are blessed with an amazing talent, like my daughter, for example, my God, anything I taught her, she grabbed and my other boys too, they have the talent, but you know, if talent is given to you by God, that's God's work. What, what, what work did you do? <laughs> What'd you add to it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's okay. So God gave you this talent and you're using God's work. So what have you sacrificed? What, what's your work? So use that talent. And then now you got to develop it and put it to good use and work. Talent on, alone is not it. A lot of people have the talent and I've seen people that are not as talented naturally, but they double the sacrifice and double the amount of work and they succeeded. Yes. So, and I almost admire some of these people because I got some students that man, they're like in a fight to get it and they take it home and they get it, get it where my next student might go. I say, okay, is this? And they go, Oh, okay. And they do it go, wow. All right. Well, now you got it. Okay. Now you're very talented. Now go home and develop and practice. But my other student, the same lesson, he has to practice it for double the amount of time to get it. 
But those are people that my wants, my want it bad enough and better than the one who has the talent that doesn't care as much. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's like this perfect melting pot of characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like being willing to sacrifice and talent and ability and practice and drive and, being willing to work through the boring stuff to get to the fun stuff, you know, cause you just don't start out on stage. <laughs> exactly. You know, my, my friend, uh, Giovanni Hidalgo is a, an amazing genius percussionist. He, he's been at it since he was a little kid in an article. Every time he hits the stage, everybody think, you know, of course he is, um, gifted, talented, God blessed him. And, you know, people actually look at him like a blessing from God, like a genius. Yeah, he is. I'm telling, but he says something one time, like he's the same subject. He goes, but, you know, nobody's with me the eight hours a day I practice in my room alone. Mm-hmm. There's no camera. Nobody's with me. Nope. So when I come out of that room after a month of practicing eight hours a day and I take it to the stage, people go, oh, my God. You're so lucky. You're so talented. God gifted you with this. Look at how you're playing. But where's the sacrifice? Of course, you know, eight hours a day for a month every day. Right, right. So, you know, and and when he said that, it really dawned on me. Yeah, nobody sees the hideous practicing, like whether it's uh, scales or guitar or rudiments. You know, I mean, I can drive anybody nuts. I mean, if I, they hear me practice and that's why practice pads are rubber and silent. Mm-hmm. Even you go crazy. And people go, what the hell does that have to do with music? Uh, come to a Chicago concert or you'll see. Right. Exactly. Come to a Chicago concert. And you'll yeah. see it. <laughs> ah, that's wonderful. Um, I, 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 this is a great conversation, and I'm being very aware of your time and your generosity and everything. And I'm, I'm just really loving this because I think all the points that you're making, especially to help people like get inspired and unstuck, are like so valuable. But I have a couple kind of personal questions just so people can get a flavor um, of your genius. And one of them is, what's the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Like you've traveled memorable. all over, m- most memorable food. Well, that's a difficult question because I'm a foodie and Kirsten and I, Kirsten, I was in uh, New Orleans with Chicago, the last leg of the tour. And she flew, she was not going to miss New Orleans. We spent two days in New Orleans and it was just about food and mm-hmm. poo boys and uh, bourbon house, the oysters and charbroil oysters and, um, you know, I, I like food, uh, music is regional, cultural, it's about the people, about customs, it's about the food. So, you know, when I go to New Orleans and soak the music, the people, the culture, the history, the food, and then I go to Italy and, you know, you, it, that's a whole other thing. Right. Then you go to a place where they're having you know, like, I mean, like go to Cuba, then you have Cuban food, Cuban music and all that. So I actually relate food very much with music as part of the experience. I have so many instances. I was in the middle of Brazil, Oro Preto, which is like black gold area. And they had a buffet over there. And that was one of the most incredible meals. I wish I had two stomachs 
and and yeah, I love all kinds of food. The only thing I personally cannot I don't I don't know if I'm allergic or something is spicy food. So I don't do well with spicy food. So when I go Thai or Indian or Mexican, I said, no spicy, please. <laughs> <laughs> Back the spice off. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's just like very, very, I have so many great experiences, you know, whether I travel mm -hmm. to Indonesia, Japan, uh, China. I visited China in 2005, all over China, giving educational drum clinics. And they took me out to different restaurants and I've had, uh, it changes from region to region. And so I just love it all really. You know, it's like somebody turning me on to something new, I go for it. Yeah. And I think that's also part of your overall life success is yes. being willing to go open. after the something new and being open and going for it instead of letting, like you were talking about earlier, letting the fear stop you. You know, I think that. That that's a that's a real key ingredient in your natural way of being. You know, actually, in fact, last night I cooked something really quick that I learned after a show in Bologna, Italy, and that they fed us uh, some pastas. And one of them that was like my favorite was like what they call half a rigatoni. It's not rigatoni, but it's half. Oh, okay. And uh, and then it's so simple that when the chef came out to say hello, I says, oh my God, can you give me the recipe? This is amazing. And he just told me, I couldn't believe it. I go, are you joking? He goes, no, olive oil, and garlic, and broccoli heads, right. you know, chopped up mm -hmm. half a rigatoni, you boil it and you mix it in there. Then you put Parmesan cheese and that's all it is. And it's like, it's a broccoli rigatoni pasta, but it's olive oil, salt, garlic, broccoli and pasta and that's it and i made it last night for my wife and i think i i have some leftovers that are going to be even better <laughs> yes because then the flavors marry overnight you know oh yeah that sounds delicious it's like I'm gonna have to it's try like it. a good band that has meshed together mm -hmm. for a long time the right. flavors come out with yeah. time there's nothing there's nothing better there's nothing oh yeah that. I, this sings to my soul so your last question of the day is this if we were going to put a billboard up that the whole world was going to see with your personal quote on it to inspire people what would you put on that billboard oh my god nobody has ever asked me that question maybe one of those um it could be many uh things you know first thing that comes to my mind live life to the fullest but then that's, uh, that's an incomplete statement because how do you live life to the fullest, right? Uh, you have to travel and go for it to seek different informations. Um, I have more like a spirit of Marco Polo. I think if I would have lived in those times, I would have either, either been a sailor or a, a pirate or <laughs> a discoverer, a venturer, you know, I don't know. But um I think, you know, what you said earlier, go to your grave with nothing left inside of you. Yeah. I think maybe that's one of them. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to like clean my computer that has a lot of incomplete songs, incomplete grooves, incomplete ideas and inspirations and this. Right. Sometimes I go back and I, I would like, oh my God, this is from the 90s and I haven't finished it. 
So I want to like, basically like my computer is going to be on empty and I'm just going to not take anything with me to my grave. And if I make it to heaven, God's going to say to me, what do you got? And I go, God, you gifted me with a lot of talent that I bring none. I left them all on planet earth. Yeah. I did it That's all. It. I did it all. I did it all. <laughs> That's right. That should, that, that should be the quote. Do it all. Go for it. Do it all. I mean, right? don't be afraid. Go right. for it. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, I want to thank you, Wally, for being on the show with me today because I am having a blast talking to you. I could talk to you for hours about all this stuff because it's like it's so enriching and I love the way you see things and share things. And um, thank you. And we'll I, do it again. Oh, we definitely will do it again because I have all kinds of things. I could go and go and go. Because <laughs> I, I just love how you think, and I really appreciate you spending this time with me today and really sharing honestly things that I think are really valuable for people to, to really hear from somebody who has a 50-year career doing something. It's not an accident, so there's a lot of wisdom, and so thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, and to all the people out there, don't get discouraged. You know, uh, nothing happens all at once. Start with A and then B, C, D. You can't go from A to Z. It just doesn't happen. It cannot happen that way. And patience and time, it takes time. Carlos Santana told me, he goes, man, it takes so long. He goes, it takes so long for what? And he goes, to get your sound. And he goes, Carlos, this is 1993. You're Carlos Santana. You ha you're famous for your sound. He goes, no, man, I'm still working on it. And yeah. that was Carlos Santana in 1993. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. And he was famous oh. for his sound way before he had his sound. Exactly. In, his own in his own mind, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's still, he's that still goes to show it. you. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to better yourself. Always. You know? Always. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, you've been listening to Wally Reyes and um, go see him playing with Chicago. Um, By the way, this is my wife really quick. Kirsten. Hi. Hi. Diane. Hi, nice, Diane. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I just got back. You are not interrupting us at all. Not oh, a you're a Disney fan. I see Mickey and Minnie in the background. Yes. <laughs> I'm a very big Disney fan. I love wow. creativity and imagination. So Walt Disney's one of my mentors in that way. <laughs> well, I'll let you guys get on to it. It's nice to meet you, Diane. All right. We're almost done. Thank you. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Wally Reyes. Check him out in the show notes with how to follow him on social media. Go see Chicago. And let him know that you heard him here on Someone Gets Me. And so remember, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there, let your light shine. Take the wisdom you just heard and do something with it and let us know what happens. Till the next episode, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.